Good afternoon. It is Friday, March 23rd, and this is Chickie Fitzgerald with the Executive Girlfriends Group. And back by popular demand, we have Holly Green. And we have had Holly on in the past talking about her book, More Than a Minute. And that book, uh, Holly, when was that published? I'm kind of jumping ahead here, but uh, I don't have that in front of me. That's okay. It was published in about August of 2008. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, what what I'd like to focus on, and we'll we'll take a little time to have you introduce yourself to our listeners, but uh, I would like to really focus on what has happened since you wrote this book, because the, the whole topic of this book was how to be an effective leader and a manager in today's mm-hmm. changing world, and I don't think you could have even anticipated when you were writing it <laughs> how much change was really going to happen in 2009 and beyond, and of course, our, our core topic for today is really all about innovation. And of course, you have to be an effective leader and manager within your company to be able to foster innovation. Right. So without further ado, Holly, how about if you just give us the snapshot of your career? Of course, we know that you were the former president of the Ken Blanchard Companies, but tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Um, I've worked in so many different roles and so many wonderful organizations um, early on in my career in Deloitte and Touche Management Consulting, then AT&T, Dell Computer, the Coca-Cola Company, a few brand names that you might have heard of. And, and my poor parents, I always say, really were very concerned that I just couldn't keep a job <laughs> um, because I ended up doing a lot of different things and moving around a lot. I was just so curious, and I was always a bit impatient. You know, in large organizations, it's hard to make things happen um, quickly, and that's just the nature of size and complexity, et cetera. So I came out to San Diego in 2000 to run the Ken Blanchard Companies and did that for several years and then ran another uh, biotech startup for a little bit and then really realized my absolute passion is helping others be insanely successful. And thus, I wrote more than a minute, kind of looking back at the three core principles or secrets they're called in the One Minute Manager, which, by the way, was written 30-plus years ago, and said, you know, so much has changed in the world. I mean, in that book, unfortunately, the only female mentioned is the secretary. Um, You know, it's all men sitting behind their desk with their feet up on their desk. Um, Pretty dramatically different from the world we know today, thank goodness. Right. So kind of looked at that and said, you know, what do I believe are, what are the big categories, as we did the research, what are the big categories of change that we'd seen up to that point, and what did that mean? What sort of remained the same as far as being an effective leader, and what's constantly changing now? So that's what's really led to that. And today I actually spend about half of my time doing strategic planning work, which, of course, the book uh, goes into in a simplified way, kind of how to do that, how to drive it through an organization, how to inform, inspire, and align and engage employees, etc. So I spend about half my time there, about, I don't know, 25% of my time or so doing keynote presentations on innovation and thinking differently. And then the rest of my time is split across various leadership development work that aligns to those two things. So it's very exciting. I still get to get my fingers in a lot of pies and um, still do a lot of research and development and try to keep my brain really active. <laughs> well, that's that's one of the reasons why I love uh, my Friday interviews on, on the Executive Girlfriends Group calls because uh, not only do I get exposed to just the most amazing women uh, I think that we have in our country, but just the topics, uh, particularly because I am a serial entrepreneur, it's so relevant <laughs> right. 
to, you know, so even if it were just for me, I would still do it. But uh, we are fortunate enough to have a, a membership of about 700 executive women who really run the gamut from the entrepreneur and solopreneur, the people who are in between or maybe are underemployed or have accepted jobs outside of their either their core competency or their uh, core love, I'll, I'll say, mm-hmm. because I think that uh, you know we all need to get back to that. Um, and then we have people, of course, with uh, mid-sized companies, family-owned companies, all the way up to uh, the Fortune 500. So uh, I know that everyone who listens will, uh, you know, that this will resonate particularly in talking about how to innovate your way to success. So just as uh, setting the stage for what we're going to be talking about, in your uh, original book, More Than a Minute, you talked about the importance of strategic planning and goal setting. And, you know, I mean, that goes without saying. We talk a lot about this uh, uh, each Friday. We've um, Almost everyone mentions that as a component. And then you talk also about taking that down to really getting focused. And, uh, you know, that is actually my – uh, my poster child word. You know, if there were something, it would be a big poster that said focus because uh, <laughs> I, I tend, because of, um, you know, having so many ideas, it's it's tough to stay focused on one thing. So that whole issue of individual goal setting and communication and then creating the context for excellence, which is really getting, surrounding yourself with uh, amazing people and, and developing that high-performance culture and then right. sustaining that alignment and having a feedback loop and, and making sure that, again, that that's positive and constructive and then leveraging that and learning and moving on. So measuring an ongoing improvement. And th- those are you know, the building blocks that you outlined there. But now let's talk about what are the components of innovation that really uh, can move the needle. Because I think a lot of people associate innovation with risk. And right now I see, particularly in my industry, which is the travel industry, there's still an awful lot of risk aversion and yeah. still just feeling like they're getting back to zero, you know, getting back to center. So without further ado, I think I need to just stop talking and let you lead us through. <laughs> no, you're doing a great job, Alan. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can just start on the topic of, of innovation and, you know, sure. have you laid out a similar structure for, you know, kind of the building blocks to successful innovation? Well, we've certainly tried, and I think it's uh, one of the core things that you have to understand a little bit about is how and why your brain works the way it works. Um, as you may remember, Chicky, my postgraduate work is neurophysiology, and, and that's what I play with more and more, and it's so much fun, you know, exploring how and why that brain of ours works the way it works and why we're these odd, illogical, irrational creatures <laughs> most of the time. Um, even though we try to layer on the logic and we try to, to think we're analytical, we're really not and we're not structured to be. So we, we um, teach people the first thing that I do around innovation is, and, and by the way, when we first talked a few years back, um, I was still having to prove to people that innovation was important to their, to their business. Mm. So three short years ago, I still had to have, anytime I did a keynote, two or three slides up front proving that innovation was important. Well, you know, anyone who doesn't know that today is obviously on, quickly on their way out of business. So it's kind of funny how quickly even that changed. Um, but the first thing that's important to understand is we can all be innovative. This is not some secret magic thing you're either born with or not born with. You can develop these skill sets. It is somewhat about a discipline, about skills and competencies. It's about ways of thinking. And it will be some of the hardest things you ever do because the world is screaming at us today to just run, 
just run. Don't pause and think about which direction. Don't pause and get people in the same race with you. Just run. And being innovative does require pausing to think. Um, that's been stripped from us. You know, the number one reason cell phones are being replaced at work today is because people drop them in the toilet. Well, if you can't pause there, you know, if we've even <laughs> stripped that pause away, <laughs> right. where can you pause? So it's getting back, again, to some of these basics of slowing down just a wee little bit, and that's a technical term, um, <laughs> slowing down just a wee little bit every now and then, a matter of seconds often, to visit that that matter that you carry around, that two and a half pounds of brain matter that you carry around with you anyway. So well, that's where we often know, start. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday I uh, I just felt the need to do that, and it's funny that you should talk about that now because I – uh, like many people, when you're sitting in front of the computer, which has so much to offer, really. I mean, we can get information instantly. We can research mm-hmm. things. We can compare and, and we can compute. And, I mean, we can do all those things with it. But I needed to just unplug, and I had to go to a meeting. So I, I ran to that meeting, and I just took a notebook and a pen with me. And I went to Starbucks afterwards. And I did have my phone, so, you know, I mean, I wasn't completely unplugged. I, I <laughs> yeah. was able to check my email. You don't want to go too crazy. <laughs> No, but as I was writing down, you know, things about my new business, whereas I knew that my behavior, once I started putting down, you know, like the revenue model components and, you know, the first thing I wanted to do was go open a spreadsheet, you know, and and it's so ingrained in us that we don't give ourselves time to actually think and invent. So go ahead. Yeah, so that that's the where it starts, right? Understand how and why your brain works the way it works and luckily the neurosciences are becoming quite popular right now so you can find loads of books out on this topic. Um I'm rereading an excellent one called Thinking Fast and Slow Now by the Nobel Prize winner um Daniel Kahneman. It's a little textbooky but it's quite interesting. Um, in fact, if anybody's really interested in a, in a good list of these books, just go to my LinkedIn page, and you can kind of scan through um, many of the ones that I've read in the past few years. You know, there's everything from predictably irrational to sway to denial. There's all sorts of great books helping us understand kind of why and how we think the way we do. Keep in mind, the adult human has not truly evolved much. You know, it, I always tell people, think about in the last five years alone what we've seen in the evolution of technology. If you applied even 10% of that rate of change to the human body, imagine how small our thumbs would be, right? We'd be able to push all those little buttons right. really accurately. <laughs> but they're not. They're the same thumbs we've always had. Our brain is the same brain we've pretty much always had. And so we're not structured to work at the pace that the world is moving at today. Um, in fact, I was working with a group of Navy SEALs a few weeks ago, and I loved it because the, one of their uh, catchphrases was, yesterday is the only easy day. Right? <laughs> it, it's not going to slow down. It's only going to get more complex. The history is going to continue to be less predictive of the future right. and our future less predictable. So, you know, that light at the end of the tunnel, we keep all thinking if we just get through this next project, if we can just get through this next month, it's really a train, and it is coming at us faster and faster. That said, we can, right. we have the ability to slow ourselves down just a wee little bit. So we teach a set of core techniques and principles that start with this notion of balancing the big picture and the details. The faster you run, the more likely you are to over-focus on details, um, and the less likely you are to see big shifts, big trends, big changes, 
I'll give you one uh, great example of this. In my book, More Than a Minute, social mm-hmm. media is not mentioned. Okay, <laughs> it, it came out in 2008, my book did. It was really not prevalent, particularly not in the workforce. I was one of the first million people on Twitter, and I just got a note from the CEO of LinkedIn the other day. Apparently I was one of the first 100,000 people on LinkedIn, and that has only been a few short years ago, and I'm not some leading-edge person typically in some of those channels. <laughs> it happened to correlate to the book publishing, right? Right. So, you know, and now we've seen Twitter and other social media channels be able to bring down countries, right? Go talk to anyone in Egypt yeah. today. So. Even that, that's three years, dramatic changes. But if you're so focused on getting your to-do list done every day, you're going to miss some of that big stuff. You're going to miss the aging population, the shifting demographics, the different wants and needs of generations, dramatically changing consumer wants, needs, and desires, whole new ways of creating credibility, um, you know, shifted from advertising, particularly print advertising now, to the social media components. There are so many significant shifts that you miss if you don't look up and look around every now and then. So that's one core thing is to build back in that time to look around and consider the big stuff. The second one is the same exact principle that we taught in Chapter 1 of More Than a Minute, um, but we probably don't highlight it as much as I would today, and it's about focusing on a target. So it's going to just what you were saying earlier, Chicky, about getting crystal clear on winning. Crystal clear on winning. Now, every premier athlete in the world uses a technique today. It's usually called success visioning or some variation of that. Focus on a target. Crystal clear on your destination. And make sure that destination is not too far out in the future. Most right. large organizations today are doing 12 to 18 months strategic planning. And that's about what we recommend because the world's just changing too much to do anything much beyond that, except for some, you know, maybe a few big swipes, you know, five-year, ten-year goals that are really big, but true strategic thinking uh, probably in the 12- to 18-month time frame. Getting crystal clear on that target because the amazing thing about your brain is if you get clear on the destination with as much specificity as you can possibly get. And I always tell people it's like building that old-fashioned travel brochure, right? I knew if I was going to a Motel 6 or a Four Seasons, um, I'm crystal clear on what it would look like when I got there. That's the kind of clarity you want on your business or your or any any goal that you have. Your brain will fill in with innovative ways to get there. It will provide you with possibilities and alternatives because your brain is working to put together pieces and parts constantly if we can get focused and stay focused on a target. Right. It's pretty amazing, that brain, if we use it. Right? <laughs> the more we run, the less we use it. Um, so that's one of the core principles that we apply and teach people how to do some future active past tense questionings, how to engage others in, in getting clarity on that on that win, because if we get clear on the win, our brain starts filling in with stuff we didn't even know we could sunk. And that's <laughs> where innovation comes from. Um, another technique that we use is to really teach people to stage their field of vision. Once you've gotten clear on the target, make sure you are visually prompted as often as possible by what that target is. So you were saying, you know, get that word focus up in front of you. Put a, a put a um, a bullseye in front of you, constantly. Whatever, but but I would even go beyond that. Whatever the target actually is, try in whatever ways you can to depict it as a visual. It could just be like a United Way thermometer. Think about how effective that is, 
right? I know what the goal is. I see progress to the goal. It compels me to want to give to help move that little red bar up. So think about that for your business, your personal life, any big goal set that you have. Get it visual and get it in front of you all the time. Because when you stage your field of vision, every time you see that visual, it prompts your brain to think about it. And as you're thinking about the target, it prompts your brain to put together seemingly disparate pieces and parts on how to get there in new ways that everyone thinks typically are not possible. This isn't, you know, I often say this is not rocket science. It's harder because it is (laughs) neuroscience, right? And we are programmed and we are constantly shouted at to not do these things, to not slow down and do these things. We'd rather just run and get it wrong and do it over than slow down a wee little bit and get it right. So those are a couple of simple ones. Um, You know, there's some other really powerful neuro prompts that you can use for your brain around changing your perspective. What does my supplier think is the best thing about doing business with us? What do our employees think is the one thing that could take us down? What do our competitors believe is our greatest strength and is it? And could we leverage it even more? Mm. You know, what if someone just started with the company? How do I explain our market differentiation to them? And am I doing that effectively? So there's all sorts of ways to change your perspective and look at the exact same data in a new way. But it does require you to slow down that wee little bit and ask your brain a question. So there are some fun things that you can do around that. Um, Challenging assumptions is another big technique that is so important. When when we teach people about how their brain functions, and, you know, you can do that in 30 or 45 minutes, some of the basics of that, one of the things you do is you form what we call thought bubbles, right? And these these thought bubbles are the pairs of glasses you use to view the world. They help you know what to see and what not to see. And as an adult human, particularly a successful adult human, we only see what we already believe is true. And we're very busy constantly proving ourselves right. Mm -hmm. The vast majority of our energy, and that's how we're structured as creatures, and it serves us very well in many, many, many ways. Every now and then, it misleads us. And so challenging your assumptions. And, you know, I, here's, here's one technique we often use with clients. You're at the beginning of a new project. Um, you are talking about the same challenge that you've talked about in the last four meetings in a row, and you haven't come up with anything new. Have everybody get some Post-it notes and jot down their assumptions on those Post-it notes. What are they sure is so? What are the rules, if you will? Well, our customers will never go for that. Well, we can't increase prices right now. It's a tough market. Ugh. Most of our assumptions are negative, (laughs) unfortunately, at work. vast majority are negative. There's a whole lot of reasons for that. That could be a whole other series of calls, right? Um, But just trust me, they are. Right. Once you get people to jot those down, put them up on the wall and spend five minutes and just say, what if we're wrong? What if we take this column of them right here and none of these are true? What else would we see? What would we do? What would we do if we could get this through FDA approval? What would we do if we could convince the top two hotel chains to form an alliance with us. What would we do if blah, 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 right? Whatever it is, just ask yourself for a moment, what if we're wrong? And challenge some of those assumptions because we make them about almost everything and they're not accurate, but they are powerful. 
And so that's another simple way for our brain to explore things and look at the same data in a slightly different way. Insanely powerful. Insanely powerful. Um, Another technique is around questioning the right answer. You know, how often at work are we absolutely positively sure about something and we build the whole plan on that because we have the data, for goodness sakes, it's obvious, let's go. Right. And unfortunately, at work today, there's almost never one right answer. There are usually multiple right answers. But even from the time we were very small, even Cookie Monster taught us that there's one and only one right answer. Do you remember the game, which one of these is not like the other? Right? You could sing the little Uh, song. (laughs) Absolutely. So even Cookie Monster colluded with this notion from a very early age, and then we went to school for years and years and years, and they taught us there is one and only one right answer. You know, if you circle in multiple bubbles, you're certainly going to get it scored wrong, and they're going to put you in a very special class. Right? So... We've been taught this, and it's been deeply embedded, and we don't even know that we think that, but we do, and it stops us from looking looking for the second best answer and maybe even the third. And sometimes when we explore those multiple right answers, we can put them together in completely new ways, offer up something that has not been offered in our space before, create additional value for our clients and our customers that no one else has thought of because everyone went to the instant, obvious, first right answer. So those are just a few of the very simple techniques. And as you can see, anyone can learn to use these. We provide neuroprompts and tools, and obviously, um, you know, when working with individuals, we do a lot of brain exercises to kind of prove out. And most of us sit back and think, oh, well, I don't do that, of course. Um, But we all do. Um, Our brains are amazingly complex and then amazingly simple both at the same time. And uh, we are emotional creatures. We do respond emotionally. And then we travel through that kind of system two part of our brain and and legitimize it or try and validate what we've seen. We screen out the vast majority of data available to us. We've probably got more data available to us, well, we know we do, than we've ever had before, and even more for free than we've ever had before, yet most people use less of it. We're very locked in, very locked into our current ways of thinking about the world, about customers, clients, price points, competitors. We've got a lot of these bubbles floating around in our head. And, um, you know, I talk a lot about rebooting and reloading your brain. Because right. what got you to this place is not going to get you to the next one. Well, it, I think that's really that's really the case, and and a lot of companies haven't yet come to that. And like we were talking about earlier, they they're just trying to get back to zero. You know, they're trying to get back to where they were before the financial crisis, and yeah. you know whatever dynamics are going on in in their industry today, and. You know, they're still working on that assumption that they can just deploy the same things and that they're going to work the same way. You know, Holly, it's so fascinating, isn't it? Because why would you think that? What data is there to suggest (laughs) that this world is going back to that? You know, there's no new normal. There's just new new. Right, right, exactly. Well, I think it's that whole comfort with status quo. You know, and there's no question. And and if you have been successful. You move to asset protection yes. right, versus asset development. It is a very natural path to travel. But, you know, there's so much data. Let's look at the, the turnover of the Fortune 500 alone. Yeah, I could come up with, I could give you dozens of companies. Imagine being in the boardroom at Blockbuster in the last few years. 
oh, no one's going to get wait, you know, two days to get their movies in the mail. That's ridiculous. Right. right? Just imagine those conversations. Hmm, whoops. Exactly. Right? And yet they had the data. They just wouldn't believe it and play with what are some of the options? How can we adapt? Mm-hmm. And, we, and we've seen this throughout, you know, corporate history. Now, Holly, I know you have on uh, on your corporate website, which is thehumanfactor.biz, you have something called the Leadership Toolbox, which has mm-hmm. some complimentary white papers. Um, obviously, people can buy your book, and you've got you know blogs and and uh, various things. Um, what is the best way for people to get a hold of you if if their company really needs help in this in this area, and they they know they need to innovate, but they need to get unstuck. Well, there are a couple of ways. Um, Chicky, the easiest thing is just email me or you know connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, I'm Holly G Green on Twitter, Holly G Green on LinkedIn. Um, but you can certainly email me Holly at thehumanfactor.biz. More than happy. Try to be very, very responsive. Usually, you can get back to people within 24 hours. Certainly, I do give away a lot for free. I, I have an abundance bubble. I do think there's more than enough to go around for all of us. Um, and we are relaunching, so give us two or three more weeks, and what you will find on our website then will be a lot of tools and tips and techniques so that you can buy the NeuroPrompt flashcards for you know, 19.99 kind of price points so that what we're trying to do is really offer up some of these things to make them much more um, price conscious, if you will, for the small and mid-sized business owner as well, and even for individuals who want to just d- develop themselves. Right, right. Well, Holly, you know, I know when I originally read your book, it made such a huge impact, and I had forgotten that it was written so, or, or that the original <laughs> uh, Ken Blanchard stuff was written so long ago. But, yeah. uh, you know, 2008 was an eon ago. I know in my yeah. own life, uh, everything has been turned upside down uh, completely. And you're right, there is no new normal. It's just every day is new, new. So yeah. is there another book in your future, or, you know, where are you going next? You had to ask. <laughs> I'm trying to. Well, you've probably forgotten the pain of the the last one. This is like childbirth. I remember. You know what? Though my first book was so easy because it's just the work that I do, um, and I'm so passionate about it. So it was so easy. So I was a little spoiled, um, and it's now in nine languages, and we've been bestseller around the globe. So it was really such an exciting adventure. I am almost done with the second one. Um, I've contributed to, to a couple of others, but the sec- this next one that that is just written by me, and it's called "Using Your Brain um, to Win in Today's World." Mm, so like um, it goes much more into these, into the neurosciences, and it, m- more importantly, into application. Because so many of the great books out there, even that I'm reading, talk about it and help us understand it, but don't tell us, okay, now what do I do? Right. And as you probably recall, I'm all about now what do I do? You know, let me give me the tools, give me the tips, tell me how to do this so I can uh, put it in action and be insanely successful. So I am very hopeful in the next 30 days or so we will be ready to launch that, and we're going to launch it as an ebook. So we're going to we're trying to be innovative as well and try these new channels and. So that, that watch for that. <laughs> well, terrific. Yeah, as soon as it's out, let us know, and we will. Well, you're you're so good at posting on the Executive Girlfriends Group site. I'm sure you'll post when it's ready. But uh, you know, do let us know. Are you still in Southern California? I am. Which is usually funny. um, It's not today, so. (laughs) My new partner uh, actually uh, lives uh, in Murrieta, I guess it's 
call? I used to live in Marietta, Georgia, so it's hard to say Marietta. That's funny. I lived in Marietta, Georgia, too, but yes, you're right. It's Marietta, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little yeah, north. Anyway, so um, I'm actually going to be out there at the end of April, um, but I'm going to be out there probably every couple of months, so I would love to meet you face-to-face since we've oh, never, yeah, never had that Oh, yeah, definitely let me know. That would be fun. We'll have a good glass of wine for sure. Sounds great. Well, Holly, thank you so, so much. And uh, I know we do have someone uh, on on the call live, so I always like to give them a chance to ask questions because that's one of the real benefits of the Executive Girlfriends Group is having firsthand access to just amazing people. So um, do we have any live questions for Holly? I don't have a question per se, Chicky, but I find it interesting that Holly – mentioned that having visuals of your goals around it is uh, is an important thing to do because just this week we decided to go in just that direction at work and having a board for our results that are very much like a thermometer yeah. looking and a couple of other visuals that will keep us um, focused. So I think that's kind of interesting. You know, and it, here's the thing, here's the trick. Make sure you've got not only progress to the goal, but the, uh, certainly the goal as well, and you want to make it as comprehensive as possible. The single greatest mistake we see around these visuals is that people um, confine it to financial metrics. But you mm-hmm. want to think as comprehensively as you possibly can about it. Um, with imagery, visuals, people's um, language, how people will feel, what a celebration looks like, can be whatever works in your organization. And then here's the real trick. Move it every 30 days. Because I physically stop seeing what's right in front of me after about 30 days. So <laughs> move it around brilliant. or add to it, change it, do something that redraws my eye to it. Good thinking. Yeah, we, we're planning to do it actually uh, with, uh, weekly, so hopefully we stick there you to go. that. Yeah. I agree. Yep. Yeah. It's, you know, some of this stuff, it's not, like I said, it's not that hard when you pause and think about it. The hard part is getting people to pause um, and getting yeah. people to think <laughs> instead of just do because we're just all running so fast. You're right. Thanks. I enjoyed the call. Well, thank you again. Uh, and, Holly, I am uh, definitely going to get in touch with you when I'm in Southern California on one of these trips. And thank you so much for taking time out of your Friday. I hope you have some something fun planned for the weekend and that the weather is decent out there. I know the whole country is having bizarre weather. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to work on the book, so that will be sort of fun. <laughs> and thank you so much. It's wonderful to be part of a network of strong women And uh, go, girls, go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks, Holly, and have a terrific weekend. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.